does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Uh, that actually sounds like the Colts just scored a touchdown, whether that be, which I realize it's been a while, uh, whether that be like a week ago or 1985. Part of that fresh soundtrack of the Colts, right? It's also hey. because we were all feverishly Googling drums. A Japanese pellet drum is what I was talking about. Did you Did you look that up, Mark? Yeah. Did, do you know what I'm talking? Did you guys have? I mean, those? I've seen it before. I've never heard it. I've never heard it called the Den Den Daiko. Yeah, I've never. Well, it. I don't know that we ever knew it. Of, it sounds like a Netherlands program. defender in the World Cup, Mark. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what a great He's, re-entry by Mark Dykton. Den Den Daiko was my favorite character in Ted Lasso, by the way. Yeah, I mean that is the perfect re-entry because it was a great Sunday for the Indianapolis Colts. They move up two draft positions thanks to. The Panthers going into Seattle and getting a W, and Jacksonville going into Tennessee and getting a win. They can climb up one more spot to six if Arizona takes care of New England tonight, Monday night football from the desert. So a really good Sunday as the Colts return from their bye week. Uh, Jake, the question is who starts a quarterback on Saturday? Well, that's not only the question for the Colts, but then also who who's going to be starting for them next year if this is the year they finally pull the trigger and go with a young quarterback, Kevin. I I had a discussion with someone. I don't know if they want me to say their name or not, so I'll just say I had a discussion with someone over the weekend who knows a lot more and is more involved with the Colts than I. And they were saying that you know they basically have told the Colts not they're not like somebody that's on the payroll but um but it's it was their opinion and I don't mean that to be vague it's who it is 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 they're credible and they were just simply saying hey at this point you, you need to start playing for the pick you're you're this close to it you need to start playing for the pick and move up as much as you can because you've got to get the quarterback. And then the discussion turned to the challenge in drafting a quarterback in today's NFL. And I think the challenge is this, and that is that I'm not saying this hasn't always been the case, but two things have happened in college football. And again, as it was kind of explained to me, but two things have happened in college football in the last 20 years that wasn't necessarily the case when John Elway or Dan Marino or even Peyton Manning was playing in college. And that is that the offensive schemes that are run at the professional level are different than at the college level. And the way that defenses play, in particular against the pass, is much different professionally with the spacing of the field than it is at the college level. And at the college level, oftentimes at the big programs, quarterbacks are throwing one of two ways. They're either throwing very quick outs in like a hurry-up kind of frantic offense. You see that like with the the Clemsons and the Alabamas and the USC's of just like drop back. Usually it's, you know, there's not as much air it out. It's usually dynamic playmakers in, in a quick open space. And you're not relying on a drop-back quarterback to wait, see things open up down the field, read multiple progressions, because at the college level, oftentimes, it's more conducive to you to take off and run, with the exception of you are seeing that more with, obviously, pro quarterbacks now. But my point being that analyzing a quarterback at the college level in terms of their immediate translation into the NFL is people in the NFL will tell you is much more challenging to do today than it was 20 years ago because the chasm between the college game and the NFL game is, offensively speaking, is bigger than it's been in a long time. So a guy can put up – Trevor Lawrence is a great example. 
I think the world of Trevor Lawrence and still do. And we see moments in the NFL when Trevor Lawrence looks like that guy. And I said I thought he'd be the next Peyton Manning. But what I probably didn't take into account, Kevin, and should have, is that Trevor Lawrence, when he was at Clemson, was throwing to almost exclusively guys that were playing on sun that are playing on Sundays. Josh Allen at Wyoming was not, right? But I just think that it is a hard quarterback has always been the hardest position in sports to analyze and plug but it is absolutely harder now than I think it has been in the past and that's why it is so critical to find the guy that works because it's a crapshoot it really is but of course the higher you're drafting the the easier it is to find the guy that is so good that it's can't miss and you're not taking a risk on it yeah I mean the college game is really really different from how the NFL operates um, I also think you have a bit of a stubbornness from NFL systems that they don't want to cater more to that college game. They don't want to implement, you know, what made that college quarterback so successful to the NFL level. Um, I know it's not seamless to try and do, but I think it's something that offensive coordinators have got to tap into more. Um, and honestly, uh, watching last night, first off, I was laughing a bit thinking, can you imagine the Colts offense looking like either of these two teams and what they're trying to attempt to do with two in the Dolphins and Justin Herbert and the Chargers? Um, It's just a totally different style of football. Um, And I said this in the opener, I think last night you watched that. You've got to be encouraged if you're a Colts fan because as you sit here right now and you're seventh in that draft order, you could jump up to six tonight. Look at the teams above you. Chicago doesn't need a quarterback. Philly doesn't need a quarterback. We can debate Seattle. We can debate Detroit. But the Colts are all of a sudden in a position where they come back from their bye week and they might have the second or third quarterback for their taking in this draft class. And what was last night? Tua, number two quarterback in that draft class, fifth overall pick, Justin Her- or, uh, Joe Burrow went number one, and then Justin Herbert going six overall. And I think that's where you're in a position that you have to feel encouraged if you're a Colts fan. Obviously, things still need to cooperate here over the final four weeks. But there was always this question, Jake, of, man, are you going to be drafting in the teens? Are you going to be drafting 11 or 12? And now, with the schedule still looking difficult, again, at Vikings, home to the Chargers, at the Giants, home to the Texans, you have an opportunity, as long as you don't screw it up, to be drafting high. Uh, to your point earlier, if the Colts have one eye looking towards the future, and I, I guess I'm paraphrasing a little bit on on what on who you were talking to and what that person said about the Colts' final four games, which quarterback gives you the best chance to continue to lose? Ryan Foles or Ellinger? <sighs> Take your pick, uh, I think. <laughs> I was going to say, man. <clears throat> I mean, take your pick. You said, Mark. Yeah, I yeah. So. I, I, there's probably a lot of truth behind Bourbon, that. Bourbon whiskey, but, vodka, right? Yeah. Like which one? And does Jim Irsay think that, Jake? Does Jeff Saturday think that? Jeff Saturday doesn't want to lose. Why does Jeff Saturday well, care about the future at quarterback here, Kevin? As I have said numerous times on this program, perhaps the biggest challenge for the Colts right now might be the fact that you've got three guys looking in three different directions, yep. right? Yep, yep, yep. I mean. I, if you're, we're right now on Monument Circle, okay? God, another ugly looking morning. It is. I mean, we're not supposed to see the sun for like a week. The we're on Monument Circle. If we need to get to the pyramids, there are three different ways you can go. Mark might want to go straight up Meridian. You might want to go up Michigan Road and then over. I think I'm going to do 65. Right. Okay, there you go. 65 would be a good call, right? I mean, there's, and so we all got to go to the same place. But we got three different ways to get there. And that's my concern with the Colts right now. That's my concern with the Colts. I do just, I sit there and watch yesterday. And again, I'm more of a one eye towards the future sort of thinker. So I feel like you should be excited if you're a Colts fan. But there is just an element of this stings that you're watching Tennessee reeling. Losers of three straight. Last two by a total of 39 points. They fire their GM out of the blue. They're not a great football team. They're sitting here at 7-6. and six, And you're in zero position whatsoever to take advantage of that. And that has to sum up, and that has to, I think, piss off Jim Mercer. 
the state of your franchise. When you come back from this bye week, it's mid-December. All this hype around these games. Again, you, you, you're you in the solo Saturday 1 o'clock slot. Next week, you're in the Monday night football home game slot. And we just spent the first hour of the show, and I think Colts fans would agree, talking about draft position. Instead of the division is sitting yeah. there on a platter for you. Unlike the AFC East, unlike the AFC North, unlike the AFC West, all three of those divisions, the Colts would already be eliminated from the playoffs. Division does you no good this year. You would be in a position to finally win it for the first time since 2014. You get to hang another banner and move perhaps one of your AFC wildcard participant banners off to the side, but a, a division this year does the Colts zero good. None. Great. So they get to go in and go to Buffalo or Kansas City and get humiliated. Does them no good. None. If the Colts are listening, the playoffs this year do you no good, and it would fool no one if you actually snuck your way in, which is not going to happen. Right, but it just stinks, Jake, that the the, the division is sitting there, correct. and you can't even take it. You're right. You're you, you can't host a playoff game for the first the time since 2014. Right? And, for that matter, if going out and winning the division was, in fact, what they wanted to do, they got no one to blame for them but themselves because they screwed around with their roster in the middle of the season. And they just started experimenting. And it cost them games. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. When St. Jude opened in 1962, childhood cancer was considered incurable. Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 to become a partner in hope. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Did you know St. Jude has one of the largest pediatric sickle cell programs in the country? St. Jude freely shares the discoveries they make, and every child saved at St. Jude means doctors and scientists worldwide can use this knowledge to save thousands more children everywhere. Join me today in helping to fight sickle cell disease by becoming a partner in hope. Call now, 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Unlike our last re-entry, I don't know if I've ever heard this song on a Colts game. I would love to hear this song <laughs> this in a Colts after, game. Is this after 1984? This sounds like what they play at a Raiders game when the black hole was alive and well. <laughs> yeah, that does. Do they still have the black hole in Vegas? or did that? Did... Uh, I, no, I don't think they do. Nothing's like the black hole in the Coliseum. Oh, I mean, you've been to Oakland Coliseum, obviously, Kevin, right? Yeah, oh yeah. I went there for an A's game. And the entire upper level of the Coliseum had tarps over it that said, Welcome to Oakland, California, home of the athletics or something. And you could tell that originally it was just welcome to Oakland. But then they realized we're still not getting anybody sitting up here. They just well, circled the whole thing. That would be my vote for worst NFL stadium I've been to. Let's ask our next guest who he would vote for in that category. Ooh, I got Joel Erickson, what's the worst NFL stadium you've been to? It's it's that one, but since it's not on the list anymore, um, and then the the second worst was the the one in San Diego. That one had like exposed wires and stuff. <laughs> how about, how about one, candlestick? One that's, I I don't I never ended up doing that one. Okay. I've only done Levi's, the new one. But the the worst one now is the one is Washington's Landover. It's a bad view. It's a bad stadium. It's out like in the middle of nowhere. I can't stand that one. No wonder they hate Daniel Snyder, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's way outside of DC. Like you, and you kind of drive like into the middle of nowhere, and and you just oh look, stadium. Great. I'll tell you what, fabulous stadium, but terrible press box. Arrowhead, the Arrowhead press box when I was there, like the ceiling was like four and a half feet high. It was everybody was crammed in. Great stadium though, great stadium. Yeah, that one's got that one's got a lot of because you get the tailgating. It's it's worse for us than it is for the fans. I Correct. think it's a great stadium for the fans. Totally, that's that's but exactly right. 
But the, the press box is cramped. You're all, like, stuffed in there where you don't have a seat next to somebody else, and the, the parking is tough. But it's tough because, like, what makes Kansas City is the tailgating, and so everyone's already there, and that's why it's hard. I mean, honestly, one of my votes for the better ones would be the one that you will be inside of on Saturday. That will be the Viking Stadium. Uh, Joel, the starting quarterback that you will see for the Colts on Saturday afternoon, your best guess uh, is to who? I think Matt Ryan, but that's like with the maybe the least sure guess ever. <laughs> the lesson of this Colts season has been anything can happen at any time. And um, it's also a little bit hard to read Jeff Saturday because we only have four games. We don't, we don't have a lot of, of, of change or history to go off of with him. You know, he's, he's pretty much said we're going to stick with what we've got. Uh, but obviously coming off of three interceptions and, and everything that happened in Dallas, you, you could see a change happening. I just, I just am, am skeptical about how much it would change the, the fortunes of this offense at this point in the season. If you had to play the hypothetical route, do you think better chance they'd go Foles or Ellinger if they were to make a switch? I, I think Foles. Um, again, this is, this is totally a guess, though, just based off of what they did last week. Uh, where they where they elevated Foles to the number two spot. I the other thing is they've been talking about. We we've heard some stuff about the coaches saying that they want to get the ball downfield, and by far the guy who did that most in training camp was Foles in terms of just just really pushing the ball downfield. So that that's my guess. But like I said, totally a guess. I, I, I Saturday what Saturday's been wanting to do. He's also he's also made it pretty clear he's not going to give us any hints. You know the the Ryan thing. There was a couple other moves where it was like. He, he sort of hid it and obscured it during the week, and then it just popped it on us on, on the weekend. You know, when you, Joel, really look at it, the Colts are kind of being, whether they want to or not, isn't there the possibility that the Colts are almost being forced to go ahead now and play for the draft position just because everybody else has helped move them to the front of that line anyway, so they might as well go for it at this point? Well, Saturday has said over and over again that he's he can't play for that because he's he's playing for what's what's on his name and all the players say that. But I think the reality of the situation from from us outside is that draft position. If you're a Colts fan, knowing that you need a franchise quarterback, every time somebody wins, like you know Carolina or something like that, you, you get a little excited. So. I think I think whether or not they're doing it inside the building, I think there's a significant part of the fan base that goes, let's let's see how high we can get in this draft so we can get a quarterback. He's Joel A. Erickson from the Indianapolis Star, covers the Colts, does a great job with him alongside Nate Atkins and Greg Doyle there, um, make up the star trio. I would say one of the biggest storylines for me, Joel, in these final four games comes from an individual standpoint, and that would be Bernard Ryman at left tackle. Um, do you think we've seen enough one way or the other to get an answer on Ryman? And, and how would you kind of assess what you've seen from him since he's really been a full-time starter for the past probably couple months now? Yeah, I don't think we have enough quite yet, but I think I think the hard part with Ryman and the hard part with evaluating him for what he's going to be in the future is that when he's had mistakes, they've been big, crucial mistakes. So they stick out in your brain. Um, on a per play basis, I think there's been some encouraging stuff. And if I, I'm with you, I'm with you. That that could be the most important thing for this team because if he can, if he can figure out how to get rid of the big mistake or the big high profile issue, all of a sudden this team has a left tackle going forward that you can expect to get better. And and that would be a, a world of help for an offensive line that I think is probably going to go through some change in the off season. So. Maybe, maybe more so than anybody else. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else on the roster that I feel like is 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 in that cl- that class where we don't know much about him. I, I think you're right. I think Ryman is is the one. And with him, it's really just about. This was kind of how it was in training camp too. It was it was never about can he do it. It was can he do it consistently because he'll look really good for seven eight plays. And then you know you you get in the in the fourth quarter and something something really bad happens. And if you could ever eliminate that, then then maybe they've got something there. Joel A. Erickson is our guest. He's with the Indianapolis Star. He's on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Um, 
Joel, the interesting thing, actually, when you look at it, at this particular game is yeah, three weeks ago, I would have said, man, there's no chance the Colts go into Minnesota. I mean, it's it, it writes itself, right? You might as well just roll over because you ain't going to beat Minnesota. But I think that's the intriguing thing is that maybe this game is more in play. Minnesota might be more vulnerable than one thought. But Kevin and I were just talking about this, and I want your reaction to it, Joel, to piggyback off what you were talking about with Jeff Saturday. I think the challenge for the Colts right now is between Ursay Saturday, and Ballard, it's entirely possible at no fault of any of theirs that you got three guys with three different initiatives at this point. I know they're all on the same on the same team, but realistically, they kind of have understandably different motivations at this point. Is that fair? Yeah, I they'd probably bristle at the different motivations thing. But I th- well, I understand I publicly they would for sure. Yeah, I, well, that's what I was, that's what I was going to say is I think I think your ultimate, you know, reaction to what happens is probably different. You're probably right about that. Where where you go, it, where you're going? Okay, we we want to win this, but if we don't, you know, there's 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 a benefit to it for some of them. Um, and I don't know if that's true for you know Jeff Saturday or, or Ballard or, or whoever, but um, that. They have to, if we see, if, if, if on the outside they see it, like, then it has to be something that's, like, at least entered their mind, you know? And probably more than that, uh, of where they're at with this franchise and what can happen. Again, Joel, Joel Erickson is with us from the Indianapolis Star here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Joel, this is a question I think it's really difficult to answer, so I apologize for asking it, but, you know, it's one of the ones that's certainly near the top of the list as we. Um, hit the final four games of the season. How are we supposed to evaluate Jeff Saturday? Um, I I feel like we evaluate them based on what Jim Irsay said when he hired him. Which, when he hired him, he said that we were going in the wrong direction. I need to do something to turn this team around. And that, is that harsh for a first-time head coach? Um yeah, but that's that's not that's not us saying that. That's that's the owner saying that. That's the guy who hired him saying that. And so, if if we don't see him turn it around, uh, I think you have to hold him to their own standard. So Steve uh, Wilkes is okay. currently turning it around, but the Colts at one and three so far are not turning it around. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, you have to be you have to be better than than they were with Reich at the helm to feel like you've turned it around at all. And and they they. They haven't really been so far. I, I, you can you can make a moral victory, you know, argument with Philadelphia, but I don't really believe in those in the NFL. So, you, you know, I, I again, I, I think it's not even about like what we think. It's it's about what what they said was why they made the move and and what they expected to happen. And like I said, he said we're going in a, we're going in the wrong direction. I'm making this move to turn things around. It hasn't happened so far. So that's that's where I'm at with it. What one area, Joel, if you had to pick it, since they've made the coaching change, give me an area, though, where the Colts, where you can look at it and go, yep, I see the difference right there in a good way. Um, they've started faster. Yeah, that would be my answer. And the O-line has maybe they've, played slightly better. Yeah, they, they've started they've started faster. Um. That's that's pretty much that's because you know one of the other change. There's some other stuff that's, that are changes that I don't know are necessarily like they've they've become really high run it uh, run heavy run over expectancy team, and I think we're seeing the limits of that sometimes on first down when Taylor's running into these enormous stack boxes. Um, but yeah, probably the uh, the slightly faster starts. Now the flip side is they haven't exactly finished very well, so. Um, but yeah, the faster starts to be the one with me. So, at what point do we say? Maybe we do already. This roster just didn't very good. Just, just. Oh, I'm yeah, I'm there. You yeah. know what I mean? This roster <laughs> yeah. just didn't very good. Yeah. They're just not, they're just, just not good. I mean, yeah. No, I, I, I think, I think it's the biggest thing is just like there's a lot of stuff to talk about with this team. We've got 17 weeks, but like at the at the root cause of it, it just comes down to what we knew before the offensive line. Uh, didn't play anywhere near its reputation. A lot of that has to do with 
the beginning issue of making the wrong moves at left tackle and right guard. Um, in the running game, I think the loss of Jack Doyle and not replacing him with a blocker uh, has has also played a very key role. Um, and that's that's sort of the root of all this, and I think all of the tendrils of everything that's happened comes off of that. But, but yeah, at, at some point it just comes down to it's not a good enough roster, and it's especially not a good enough roster at the offensive line, uh, and, and to some degree the depth on the defensive line, which is where they, they say they're supposed to be the best. Joel, this time last year the Colts were about to have a league-high seven Pro Bowlers. We'll get Pro Bowl announcements coming up. I think voting, I want to say, ends the end of this week. I think early next week is when we um, hear word on that. I kind of divide up Pro Bowlers into – deserving slash deserving, you actually have a chance to get voted into the game. Unfortunately, a guy like Grover Stewart, I think, falls into the latter, uh, or I should say the deserving category, not the deserving, and will get voted in the game. Having said all that, um, if I set the over-under at two and a half Colts Pro Bowlers, you would go where? Probably under. Teams teams with losing records generally don't get three on there. Do they even get two? Um, no, wait a minute. Are, are we going – let me ask you guys this for the sake of your guys' discussion here. Are we going with the ninth alternates included after no. eight guys? Yeah. Let, you know, that, is, the, that is fair. I, I, l- l- let's go with the initial vote because, yeah, you can get the 13th alternate in there. Um, I, I think they get two. If I had to guess, my two would be Buckner and Nelson. Um, and that's based on the that's based on the last top ten voting I saw for, from the fans, um, because I think I think Colts players are probably going to get a bigger boost from the players and coaches than than some of the other guys. Um, no Gilmore, but he wasn't even in the top ten in the in the fan voting. Was he not? Um, the last time I saw it, although there were only three AFC cornerbacks, so who who knows with that? I, I think he's probably played at that level. Um, and then, and Buckner's even an iffy one, not not because of the way Buckner's played, but just because the rest of the AFC has Quinn Williams and uh, Jeff Simmons and Chris Jones and some other really good players yeah. at that position. So it's pretty it's pretty chock full. So, um, uh, but I, I would say probably two would be my guess. Yeah, I'd throw Grover Stewart, Zaire Franklin into the deserving. You could make a candidacy, yeah. but. Again, not going to garner vote. And then weirdly, I want to say Jonathan Taylor is fourth in the AFC in rushing, but Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb seem like slam dunks. Yeah, Taylor wasn't in the top ten the last time I saw a list, too. Um, he's Weirdly, he's going to end up with – they play uh, – the Vikings are kind of a middling run defense, and then the last three teams are all among the worst run defenses in the NFL. So there's a chance that Taylor's going to end up with a season that looks like a, a pretty respectable season. Nothing like last year, but a pretty respectable season, which is interesting because it doesn't feel like that if you've watched him week in and week out. It feels like feels like he's had a real down year. But, but I think yardage-wise, he might end up with like 1,200 or 1,250 yards. Yeah, the Vikings have really struggled as of late against the run. Which is, you know, I, I'm not... I'm not kidding. Like three weeks ago, I would have said like when we were talking about the NFC, Kevin, and I'm like, well, you got Minnesota. You know, I mean, obviously Philly, but Minnesota's right there. I mean, Minnesota to me, that's how I, I, I don't how Joel, turvy the NFL can be. Joel, you're not a big Vegas line guy, but I, I'm curious if this will catch you by surprise. And I guess me even mentioning it to you, you could probably tell where I'm going with it. Um, have you seen the early line for Colts Vikings? I haven't. Any guesses? Oh uh, well, I'm, I'm I'm guessing now based on what you what you. Oh no, uh, oh no, I'd be such six? a bad. You six? said six. Yeah, four and a half Vikings favored. Four and a half. Wow. So so there's an interesting thing with the Vikings here um, that kind of plays into what Jake's saying. If if you look at, I know not a lot of people like DVOA, the Football Outsider stat, but it's it's sort of an all encompassing like level of quality stat for teams. The, the Vikings are maybe like one of the worst teams for their record ever based on that and and the, the the easier stat the simpler stat i saw last week was if you change the outcome it was a, it was a listing of record if you change the outcome of every one possession game in the nfl this year the vikings went to one in 11 wow, they, wow. they've been really riding that edge and their record and what they are 
uh, are, are what they act, probably actually are is very different. Like they they went to one and eleven. I mean, the Colts, if you change their records in one possession games, it was they're still four wins. But good. Um, but yeah, the 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 Vikings the Vikings would be one and eleven if you change their. Well, I guess Dow. I can't remember what the score was yesterday, but um, I think they still would have lost that game. So. Uh, yeah, no, they, it's it's a team that's record. They've played really, really well in close games and won a lot of close games, which generally, like we always talk about that as like that's a good thing, but in general that's usually an indicator that there's there's some underlying issues. Joel, I'm going to ask you this last question having nothing to do with the Colts, but it does have to do with the NFL. Kevin, feel free to chime in. Is it possible that the team right now that's playing the best football in the NFL and coming together at the right time, health might be an issue in a couple of areas, albeit, that no one is talking about is 110 miles south of here on I-74? Are the Cincinnati Bengals setting themselves up for another run through the AFC? The the Cincinnati Bengals look really good right now. They're, they're, they're winning games. They're winning a lot of them by double digits. Um... It feels like their defense is starting to play well, um, and I, I didn't see what happened with Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. Both got hurt yesterday at some point. I didn't see if they're serious or not. But yeah, the Bengals. The Bengals. I've noticed that too, Jake. The, the Bengals are are coming on. Uh, T. Higgins tweaked his hamstring in the warmups, and they held him out. I don't. So to your point, I don't know how serious that is. It may that be bad. Sound like it's gonna, that doesn't sound like it's going to affect the playoffs. No. Right. Um, so yeah, no. The Bengals. The Bengals are in there. That what what the other the other hot team. What Philly's done since they had the scare against the Colts has been terrifying. Yeah, they're just blowing people out. They're just destroying people since then. You know, to the Bengals' point, they did it without Jamar Chase, or have done it without Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon. Yeah, for some of these stretches here. Well, and then you know now you got Chase in the mix, and I mean he's right, right back. now he's back. Yeah. And the playoffs started today. You'd have Titans Bengals rematch, Chiefs Chargers Ravens Dolphins. Those would be your three AFC wild card matchups with the Bills getting the bye. Those are three pretty darn good matchups. Yeah, I'd I'd take those. Uh, the AFC, the AFC, no matter how it shakes out, is going to be way more interesting in the early rounds. Yeah, I would agree. NFC, I feel like I would agree. Joel, uh, hope you enjoyed the bye week, man. As always, thank you, and uh, we'll see you this week. And safe travels up to Minneapolis. Yep, thanks for. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hey fam, I'm asking for your support. Help us raise money for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food so they can focus on helping their child live. By pledging just $19 a month, you're helping St. Jude give every child with cancer a chance. Help St. Jude save lives. Call 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 and become a partner in Hope today the flags are crossed and unfurled for us because that means that we are halfway home of the race here 8 30 now in indianapolis technically 8 33 speaking and it's that time everywhere in the eastern time zone on a monday morning good morning to you jake query along with kevin bowen mark dykton running the ship for us going to again be an overcast but at least not freezing day but uh, hopefully between now and the next 10 days, we'll see the sun at some point. What we will see tonight at Gabridge Fieldhouse is the heat. Miami Heat in for a 7 o'clock tip against the Pacers. That means that Victor Oladipo will be making presumably his first, uh, logging his first minutes as an opponent uh, since leaving the Pacers. Here to talk about that and more on the Payless Sugars Hotline is Dustin Dopierak of the Indianapolis Star. He is the new Pacers beat writer. Uh, Dustin, we'll begin with that. Do you anticipate tonight that we will be seeing some minutes out of Victor Oladipo? Yeah, I mean, I would think so. Obviously, he's just getting into the swing of it. I mean, I think what's where you check my game like so. So he's played three games, uh, and what? Uh, so he played Monday or uh, 
Saturday night, you know, uh, what did he get here? 23 minutes. I think you're obviously seeing the minutes go up a little bit game by game, 18 and a half to 2050 to 23, 22, you know, playing a little bit, bit better each game. I, I don't think it's going to be a scenario where he, you know, they're, they're going to try to rest him. Uh, I know he's going to talk at, uh, at shoot around. I mean, they're going to go in a lot of 15. So, you know, he, he is going to meet with media and I would be really surprised if he does that and does not play. Um, so he's going to be in the building and, you know, I, I think that, that much we can say so far with it. I mean, un- unless there has been something, you know, with his, you know, body that's taken a negative turn since then, um, or, or if he, you know, for whatever reason gets to it and decides, you know, I don't want to do this, uh, you know, this, certainly that could change, I guess, but, but all accounts seems to be that, that he's heading towards playing basketball tonight. And obviously I think that's going to be an, an interesting scenario for everybody, just him being back on the floor and in somebody else's uniform. Dustin, it's kind of odd. I mean, no one has covered Oladipo longer than you. Uh, considering, In speaking, yeah. <laughs> considering your days on the IU beat and him coming out of DeMatha and I think class of 2010, if I'm not mistaken, uh, yep. down there. We're for, old, Kev. We're old. Yeah, we are, we are very, very old. And then here you are, and he's making his return some 23 months after being traded. Um, I don't know if you've got a great grasp on this, but I, I, I kind of expect the reaction to be relatively muted tonight. It, it just almost seems like... He's a reserve player, and I don't know, maybe the fact that he comes off the bench and the fact that he's got to enter the game will lead to more of a reaction versus in the starting lineup. But mm. it just seems like his regression as a as a player, and again, not all his fault, injury-related certainly, slash sure. the Pacers, are, they've kind of found the new boyfriend, and they really like the new boyfriend. I'm not respecting this, like, I don't know, charge-filled environment inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse with him tonight. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, probably not. I wouldn't say charge field. I think it's going to be weird now. I mean, I don't... I, I obviously just saw how Sacramento reacted to Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald being back. Um, and, you know, it, it was, it was very, first off, it's very different for both guys. I mean, they cheered Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, gave him just big cheers and everything, everybody else. They booed Buddy Heald mercilessly, like every single time he got the basketball in his hands. And I think Buddy, as, as time wore on, started to really kind of enjoy it. And, you know, we asked him about it after. He was like, man, he's like, I don't give it, you know, yeah, give, give a blank. And mm-hmm. I, I go to sleep happy. I make a lot of money. <laughs> Buddy didn't care. Buddy's hilarious. Um, but, you know, I, I think obviously uh, fans can, you know, have different kind of reactions. And I think obviously, I think, I think muted is what it's going to end up being because I think you have very different, um, you know, and, and very conflicted views uh, on, on Vic. I mean, certainly I think that he was beloved going back to his days in Indiana. Um, you know, certainly had his, 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 certainly the best pieces of his playing career um, were prior to that, the, the quad injury. Um, and, you know, certainly I think people felt like, it did, but didn't feel great about, uh, you know, sort of his ending. He obviously has reason to not feel great about his ending, you know, feeling like the, you know, the surgery did, did not go right. And I'm sure there are people that he blames for that. Um, so it's, yeah, I think there's a, a, a lot of people going to view him differently. Certainly people you know, view him as, as having quit on the franchise. Uh, I mean, I'm certain he's got opinions on that, but he's probably not going to share when he talks to us later. Um, so, you know, there, I, I think it'll end up being not much. Again, like, as you said, it, 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 it has a new boyfriend and several new boyfriends. I mean, not just, you know, um, you know not just Tyrese Halliburton, but then Benedict Matherin and Andrew Nemhart. I mean, there, there is obviously real reason to, to view um, the franchise is going in the right direction and several pieces that you can look at and say, these are going to be core to whenever the Pacers are, are really good next, um, and, and it could happen. You know, this year they're obviously you know on a faster, uh, a better trajectory than I think a lot of people expected. Um, but you know, uh, Sacramento is on a much better track than everybody else expected, and they still you know found it in their hearts to boo the living daylights out of Buddy Heald. So you don't know what fans are going to do. Uh, you know, or, or, or on what they're holding there. My expectation is that it's. Not going to be much, and Indiana will probably you know cheer him more than he is booed. I don't. I don't think that there is a, enough animosity to do with you know what Sacramento did to Buddy. Um, so, but yeah, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if some people boo him tonight. Dustin, ended the first time. The reality is that the reason that Victor Oladipo, when he first left here, um, you know that that people were so hurt by it was because this was a a franchise fan base that went from believing that Paul George was the next face of the franchise and then he left and they thought maybe Miles Turner was and then you know he kind of waterfowled its level and then Victor Oladipo was the next face of it so question is is the next face of this franchise you know five years from now is it Tyrese Halliburton or Benedict Matherin 
It could be both, but I mean, I think you'd rather it be Tyrese, and 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 I don't say that to say anything bad about Benedict Mathurin because I think he's terrific. Um, but Tyrese is the whole package in a, in a lot of different ways, and, and Tyrese Mathurin makes or, I'm sorry, Tyrese Halliburton makes Benedict Mathurin better. Um, you know, there, there is certainly just just more to what Tyrese is capable of, and as, and again, I think Benedict Mathurin might be an All NBA guy. I mean, and I, I think he's going to be special, um, but Tyrese. There's there's more there. I mean, he he makes everybody else better and so much better. I mean, he you know like Miles Turner is having a career year and Miles Turner is having a career year because you know Tyrese Halliburton puts him in good spots, rewards him when he does the right thing. You know, rewards him for running you know for uh, uh, you know for running down the floor in transition. He pushes everybody. He is pushing the pace like a madman. Um, and I mean, he's just an incredibly intelligent guy. I mean, like you you, you could put him in front of media. He talks all day. You know, Benedict's you know kind of a quiet guy. Um, you know, doesn't say too much just says you know basically just tells you the basics of what he's doing i mean there the again he's terrific player and and, and i don't want to act like there's no depth to him there's plenty um but halliburton is straight face the franchise there's there's so much to that so that what tyrese is going to be the guy he is going to be the central figure in indiana as long as he's there um you know if, if things go south and he ends up having to get moved um in you know before they want to uh before either uh guy wants to go except either the, either the pacers or tyrese want to go a separate ways that means something something's gone wrong um but like Hall- Halliburton is just a guy in so many it's it, it you know again you, you talk to the guy and he's like one he's just a breath of fresh air and you know talks like he's been in the league for 10 years when he's been in the league for three um you know just an, an amazing dude um so I would say it's it's Tyrese but I mean you want to have both guys and you want to have them as long as they can because Benedict Matherin is going to be really 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 good Again, Dustin Aparak is with us. You remember him from his days on the IU beat. He slid over <clears throat> to cover the Pacers, the Indianapolis Star. He's with us here on the Pale Slickers Hotline. Dustin, it's not something Jake and I have talked about really at all <clears throat> here on this Monday, um, but it was a huge storyline Saturday, and honestly, it might show up again Wednesday. And that is the Pacers on the receiving end of Stars resting here in Indianapolis. Uh, the Nets sat, I believe it was their top seven, maybe top eight, on Saturday night, obviously they had eight guys in their top seven scores. Okay, that was yeah. it. Um, certainly not something you typically see. You look ahead to Wednesday, and I know there are hundreds and hundreds of people, largely probably fathers with their sons, that are planning to be in that building to watch Steph Curry. Well, Tuesday night, the Warriors play the Bucks. That's national TV. Uh, the NBA wants Steph Curry to play that game. And if you look at the back-to-back history with Golden State this season, Steph Curry's not sat out many of them, but he's kind of followed this pattern of sitting out every other. That could be Wednesday night with Indiana. I don't have a great answer for you, so I apologize for asking the question, but what can the NBA do, if anything, about the resting debate that you have, inevitably with people that paid money to watch Kevin Durant on Saturday, and that will pay for Steph Curry on Wednesday, and it's not a guarantee he plays. I mean, the answer is nothing. I mean, I think um, you know he, Jock uh, uh, Vaughn was asked you know that question. You know, Nick Friedle, who's there, you know, uh, the ESPN's guy on the Nets, be you know asked him, hey, what do you say to the person who bought this ticket? And you know, I mean, I, I think Vaughn gave gave a really long, detailed answer and said, you know, like I promise you, Kevin wants to win every game, and we want to win a lot of games, but you know, like this is what's best for uh, our team going forward. And and it's just, I mean, and I didn't notice until you. Know, it was brought up because it was such a big story, but Durant was leading leading the NBA in minutes. Right, you know, and that's first game missed all year. Yeah, first game he's missed all year. He's how old? And you know, he, he's he's what two years off or three years off, I guess, uh, of you know, uh, knock your socks off Achilles tear. Um, so you know, like, and you know, Steph Curry, obviously, I mean, he's thirty four. You know, like I mean, we 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 think of some of these guys as immortal. It's like, like they don't have any, you know. But like I mean, they're playing every other night, and they're playing back to backs, and they're going to be playing the best team in the NBA this year. Uh, you know, I, I, one or two, either them or Boston, uh, and against you know the guy that I think is pr- currently operating as the best player in the world, to be honest, um, in Milwaukee on on Tuesday. So it's like, okay, how how like how do you tell you know Steve Curry like you know you shouldn't give Steph Curry rest? You know that that's an insane idea, but because people paid money, because the thing about it is like these aren't humans and we're asking a lot from NBA players in particular it is a heavy heavy workload um 
And it's awful for if, 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 if you bought a ticket because, I mean, they only come to your town once a year, especially if they're uh, a Western Conference team. You know, Eastern Conference, at least you get two, two opportunities. You know, if you missed, uh, you know, Kevin on, um, on Saturday night, you saw him before. I mean, he came to, what, he dropped 36, I think, in the previous game. Um, but it's like if they're a Western Conference team, it's like the, these guys only come once a year. And like you said, it's Indiana, so no one's pushing. Um, you know, no, no one on a national level is saying, like, you got to, you know, play your guys in this game because it's going to be on TNT it's not um and so you know like there's there's not much that that can be said or done about it i mean i think there's there's limits to how many guys you can you can take out of, of a game uh if they're healthy um you know you're allowed to do it so much on the on the road or whatever but you know th- th- these guys do need to rest you know and you're gonna ask them to play 82 and then um you know go all out for you know a, a preseason you know a postseason that can be you know 18 20 games if you go far enough i mean you're they, it, it is asking a lot for these guys to stay at that level uh, for a whole year, they, they are they are medical, you know, marvels. Basically, what what these guys are capable of doing night after night after night. So, but at some point, there's going to require um, you know some level of rest, and it's it so happens that it always seems to come at, at the uh, you know uh, at, at, you know sacrifice of Pacers fans, and you know that's really unfortunate, really not fair. And, and yeah, I mean, like you're going to you know a whole bunch of Indiana fans are going to want to see this guy. I mean, I want to see him. You know, I mean, I, I got to see him in Golden State. Um, you know, and he had a terrible night. He was three for seventeen because Andrew Nembhard just you know gave him fits. Um, but you know, all, all the same, like you got to acknowledge. I, I, I hate talking about these guys like they're entities. They are people. They are humans, and you know they have human bodies that break down. I mean, I think you know just getting ready to Trail Depot. I mean, I listened listen to Vic talk about um, you know, just listen to his old man and three podcast from October. Um, and just heard everything that he went through physically on his injury. And, and he realized that like, you know, a- any one of those guys is one slip up away from something like that happening. Um, and so like there's, it, it is unfortunate when you're talking about paying customers, but you got to realize like these aren't circus animals. These are, these are, you know, human beings with bodies that we're asking a lot from. So, you know, there's only so much that you can do fairly and say, you know, I demand that you show up every single one of these Here, games. Here's a good yourself. point, Dustin, somebody makes, you know? and I know that it's mm-hmm. impossible to legislate this probably but this is a good point somebody makes it's fine if players want to do load management but should only be for home games because home fans get 41 chances to see their stars that's fair but i mean you know uh, i get it i mean yeah sounds like a scheduling nightmare yeah we don't know the i mean Uh, matt Matt throws out nba should only schedule back-to-backs when at home never back-to-back road games only rest yeah. home games to your point. I, I don't, Jake. Do you have a good answer? I I, I don't have a great no. answer. I, I don't. And, no, and, I mean, I mean, for for instance, like you know, they, they you know one thing that, that they just did. I mean, obviously on the road trip, uh, you know, they they did back to back in L.A. and it's like okay, well. That's that's great scheduling wise. If you think about it, right. <laughs> you know, I mean, like they they got to be in LA for three days, didn't have to leave. You know, they're, they're you know, playing in the same arena, didn't have to leave their hotel, um, and it's like okay, like would would you have wanted to push that over out of her four days? I know Gannett wouldn't like that because we had like four days worth of hotels in uh, four days in Los Angeles, and so it's like there's there's value to some of these of, of getting them in and getting them out quickly. I mean, it, it's just, it's not easy to, to spread eighty two out over uh, the time that you're playing, and so it's, I think Dustin, the other thing, be a bad break on this. The other thing that comes into gonna... play that we didn't have. I know a lot of people are like they didn't used to do this in my day, and I get that, and I know that now we mm-hmm. have better nutrition, we have better fitness, we have all of that, but you yeah. also didn't have. You know, Julius Irving and Michael Jordan and Larry Bird weren't playing AAU basketball by the age of 14 where they were playing basketball 290 days a year between the ages of 15 between and then even getting in the NBA. So by the time, even sure. though players are coming in younger, man, the mileage on the tires is a hell of a lot more than it was and ever has been before. To your point, but I understand why yeah. people. That's a good point. You know, people that make 45 grand a year that are paying good money at a job where they work 50 hours a week can't understand and i totally get the fact that they're not going to listen to the excuse that a guy making 18 million a year needs a night off i i i I totally totally get it last question for you dustin um Mm. if you had to with this pacers team other than simply age and wisdom What's missing for them? If you're Kevin Pritchard, got a pretty good roster, got some new guys in there, got a lot of youth, what's the position or the area of need that you still have to address? Size. Size. I mean, they're, you know, like you've got three guys that you can play the five, but you only have one that you trust there. 
um, and that's Turner. And so, you know, you're not getting much out of Goga at this point. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I think Isaiah Jackson does a lot of things well um, as, as sort of an athletic type big. But you know, when when you put when they get big bodies coming off the bench, when other teams get big bodies off the bench, they the Pacers get pushed around in there. Uh, you know, especially when 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 it's a true second unit battle. Um, you know, and all of their starters are off the floor. Uh, you know, the Pacers lose. You know, in the middle to better to, to bigger guys. You know, Walker Kessler looked like an absolute all star uh, in Utah. You know, Twenty and ten didn't miss didn't miss a shot, and, and like they had no answer for that kind of size. So, so they need they need a legit backup five. They need somebody of you know. Not, I don't want to say wider body, but they they need a guy with some muscle. Um, I, I think that's kind of the important thing. Is I mean, that's a big part of the reason why they get pushed around. You know, on the glass. I mean, Turner's a pretty good rebounder. He's not a, he's not a good as good of a rebounder as a shot blocker. They they have obviously the athleticism to, to protect the rim between. Uh, between Turner and between Smith and, and Jackson, I, mean, I think they're they're top three, top five in the league in block shots. But they are, I think, twenty seventh in the defensive rebound percentage. I mean, they can get uh, you know beat on on the offense. You know, they can give up some offensive uh, offensive rebounds. And they gave it up just an absolute ton uh, again on on Saturday. Again, Brooklyn had a bunch of guys that wanted it more because they were not trying to be. You know, the, the guys that were actually out on the floor were like, "Oh, you think we can't do anything without Kevin?" Well, yes, we can. Um, and so, you know, they were really, really motivated. And that's part of it. But I mean, part of it is also De'Aaron Sharp's 265, you know, like, you know, uh, Turner's 250. And after that, I mean, like, I think Smith are like 250, is listed at like 215. Um, and Jackson's at like 205. I and mean, I think they're, they're both heavier than that, uh, but not by a lot. And so they can get muscled around and thrown around by bigger dudes. And De'Aaron Sharp and Marquise Morris are bigger dudes. And so, so some of what happened on Saturday night was effort, but some of it was like, those guys are grown men. Marquise Morris looked like, I mean, he like, you know, he was the old guy that showed up to play high school kids at the YMCA. I mean, that, that's, that's how he looked from a physical standpoint. Um, and so, you know, it was, it was wild. Like, look, he really did, especially with the headband, it, it added to the, I think the entire look. Um, but you know, that, that's, if, if they're going to really, really compete, um, and, and obviously there's big questions about, you know, should you, because, you know, can you, you know, keep miles throughout this year and let him walk, uh, or, you know, try to resign him, you know, so there's, there's big sort of long-term roster, uh, implications there. But if you had to make this team really good and that was your goal and that was all that you had to think about, the most important thing you need to do is just add size, you know, and, and add a, you know, a, a, and it might have to be someone who can't run with Tyrese. Um, you know, but, but at least somebody that can add just a little bit more muscle in there to, to throw guys around. Cause when you saw what Zubac did to them, I mean, like they, they, they can get really beat up by really big guys. 29 offensive rebounds, just an astronomical number from yeah. Saturday nights. Uh, followers of the Pacers, fans of the Pacers. It's great news. Dustin Apirak on the beat. Dustin, you've done a great job. I'm sure it's been a bit chaotic and uh, hopefully we can have you on a little bit more during the season. Yeah, but thank you so much. I hope you, I hope everybody's enjoying it because I am you know, flying by the seat of my pants, so hopefully it's, it's readable. Doing <laughs> so a hell of a job, man. Keep it up. Appreciate it. Thank you.